Melatonin, the sleep hormone. Who is at risk for low melatonin? Can melatonin supplements help with our sleep quality, our skin, and our hair health? Are the supplements safe? Can we instead get melatonin from the foods we eat? Tune in to find out all these details only here on the People Scientist Podcast. People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on neuroscience, physiology, and nutrition. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast for episode 88, where every week I arm us with some scientific evidence so that we can all be a little bit smarter and healthier every week. How are you today? I hope that your day is going well, and thank you for inviting me into your day, and I hope that I can add a bit of food for thought for you today. And guess what? I got a new microphone. I'm very excited and I hope that the sound comes across better for all of you. Now before I jump into today's episode, I want to briefly reintroduce myself to any of my new listeners as I believe we have some new additions to our People Scientist Army. So very briefly, my name is Stephanie Kellagiri. I am a postdoctoral fellow at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. So what is a postdoctoral fellow? It is someone who completed their doctorate degree, who is now taking part in advanced research. It is typically the phase before becoming a professor or a principal scientist. Now I got my bachelor and master degrees in nutritional sciences, hence my interest in nutrition on this podcast. My PhD was in physiology with a focus on heart health, where I ran many clinical trials aiming to help treat and prevent heart disease with nutrition interventions. It was during that time that I realized we often know what we have to do. Like we should choose a salad over french fries. But changing our behavior is not so easy. So I decided to do my fellowship in behavioral neuroscience, where I currently study how our brain impacts our choices, like our eating behavior our drinking, alcohol behavior, our nicotine addictions, and other addictions. So as a result, much of the content on this show has to do with my expertise, meaning I like to share science on our brain, our body, and nutrition. So for today's episode, I was asked by my friend Julia to cover some scientific evidence on melatonin. I'm sure many of you have heard of melatonin. It is produced in our brain, but can also be taken in supplemental form or found in foods in our diet. People primarily take it to assist with better sleep quality. So is there any scientific evidence to support this? If so, how much melatonin should we take? Can we find it naturally in food? Is it safe? Are there any other conditions that melatonin may help with besides sleep? We'll keep listening on to find out. Now, as we always do, let's start off with some core takeaways. 
Melatonin is a hormone that is produced in our brain. Melatonin helps us fall asleep and stay asleep. It is produced by our brain when we are in the dark at night. So if we are exposed to excess light before or during bed, this could influence our melatonin levels and therefore our sleep. Despite measures to reduce light exposure before and during bed, some individuals may still have low melatonin levels. Many clinical trials have been conducted to see if taking supplemental melatonin may help sleep and other conditions, and some individuals do indeed see a benefit. So are melatonin supplements safe? Yes, the supplements do appear to be safe among several different clinical trials. However, it is important to note that high doses of melatonin taken over a long period of time may lead to our melatonin receptors to become desensitized. What does that mean? High doses of supplemental melatonin could make things worse and negate the benefits of melatonin. Clinical trials indicate that low doses of 0.3 milligrams, which is 300 micrograms, is sufficient to help individuals fall asleep, and this dose results in typical blood melatonin levels in individuals. Now, there are doses 10 times this that are commonly sold in supplement form, and these supplements provide far more than what is needed. If you can find a time-released supplement that slowly releases melatonin into the body, that is ideal. But there are other ways to potentially promote melatonin with our diet and nutrition, and I'll get into those details in today's episode. But it is important to recognize that melatonin is one piece of the sleep puzzle. Many other things should be considered for quality sleep, such as reducing stimulant intake before bed like coffee, tea, dark chocolate, energy drinks, reducing bright light exposure just before and during sleep, a cooler temperature bedroom, Overthinking and feeling anxious can often impact sleep quality, and many may find benefit with meditation or seeking therapy with an expert or listening to sinus sound waves before bed. Does melatonin have any other health effects besides on sleep? Yes, possibly. Melatonin applied to the skin or scalp appears to potentially have some benefit for reducing sunburn and hair loss in those living with general hair loss. Now, let's get into the details. Melatonin is a hormone. It is produced from the pineal gland of our brain. It is produced from serotonin. A lot of you may be familiar with serotonin as it is an important neurotransmitter in regard to positive mood. So if we have low serotonin levels, as is speculated in those battling with depression, we may also have lower melatonin. That is one of the thought mechanisms as to why individuals battling with depression may also have poor sleep quality. Now, melatonin is very tightly connected with our circadian rhythm, or in other words, our sleep-wake cycle. Now, light is the main inhibitor of melatonin production. So that means melatonin is actively produced in the darkness or at night, with very little being produced when we are in bright light or during the daytime. The highest concentration of melatonin is typically seen around 2 a.m. in individuals. So a lot of this attention that has been brought to, you know, blue light and reducing our exposure to bright light, there is some scientific evidence to support that reducing exposure to bright light before bed can indeed have a benefit for sleep quality. Now, some individuals are at risk for low melatonin, such as older adults. That is because with age, 
we tend to produce less melatonin. And it is thought because the pineal gland in our brain, which produces melatonin, tends to become calcified with age, meaning calcium buildup. And as a result, the pineal gland becomes less functional in older adults. This is one of the speculated reasons why older adults may have lower sleep quality compared to younger adults. Who else is at risk for low melatonin? Unfortunately, individuals living with depression, with inflammatory conditions, or those who commonly take non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen. For example, Murphy in 1996 reported a suppression of melatonin with ibuprofen intake. The reason being is with depression or chronic inflammation, there may be less serotonin present as the pathway may shift toward the kynurenine and quinolinic acid pathway instead of producing serotonin and melatonin. If you want to hear the scientific details on that, I go at length in this on this topic in episode 25. And low melatonin is a possible cause for low sleep quality in these groups of individuals living with depression or chronic inflammatory conditions. Essentially, to very briefly sum that up, individuals with depression or chronic inflammatory conditions may have low serotonin and therefore low melatonin because melatonin is produced from serotonin. So, if melatonin appears to be necessary for sleep, can taking supplements of melatonin be of help? Well, Brzezinski and the journal Sleep Medicine Reviews pooled together 17 randomized controlled trials to understand if melatonin could improve sleep. The scientists concluded that taking supplements of melatonin before bed reduced the time it took to fall asleep by on average 4 minutes, their sleep efficiency increased by 3.1%, and their sleep duration increased by 14 minutes versus the placebo control group. So it appears that yes, melatonin may improve some sleep parameters in those with insomnia or disturbed sleep. But clinically, do you think that these improvements are substantial? That's up to you. But how about we dive into one of the clinical trials included in this meta-analysis? There was a small landmark clinical trial conducted by Wertman, a pioneer in this field, in the journal The Lancet. Wertman and colleagues recruited nine older adults with insomnia, who suffered with an inability to fall asleep and who woke several times throughout the night. The scientists had the participants take 0.3 milligrams of melatonin per day for three days in a row, and this was given 30 minutes before bedtime. Their sleep and their movement while sleeping was evaluated. Now, when taking the melatonin, the participants' movements while asleep reduced from 480 throughout the night to 240 throughout the night, so it was reduced by half, meaning they were less restless while sleeping. How long it took them to fall asleep reduced from 49 to 27 minutes. How many times they woke up during the night went down from 2.56 to 0.88. So the melatonin also seemed to improve their subjective sleep quality when they were asked, and unlike other hypnotics or sedatives, melatonin did not increase morning sleepiness. So in this clinical trial, particularly in older adults, it appears that supplemental melatonin may help individuals sleep better. But how safe are melatonin supplements? In humans, several studies have deemed melatonin supplementation to be safe with no serious side effects. Melatonin supplementation at a dose of up to 50 milligrams per day 
which is a dose that is considered to be very high. Taken daily for two weeks in older participants living with Parkinson's disease was deemed to be safe. And only two out of the 40 subjects reported daytime tiredness as the only side effect. A meta-analysis of eight randomized controlled trials supplementing 20 mg per day of melatonin to patients living with cancer showed no significant side effects attributed to melatonin. So overall, melatonin supplementation appears to be safe. But as I mentioned in previous episodes, the supplement industry is not as tightly regulated as foods or medications because they simply do not undergo the same safety or quality testing. So there is always a risk carried with any kind of supplement. But overall, particularly the experts in this field, they say the lower the dose, the better. So 0.3 milligrams taken 30 minutes before bed seems to be the recommendation, as this will result in similar circulating levels in the blood as other individuals, and that this is effective enough to induce sleep and to prevent desensitization. If much higher doses of melatonin are taken over a period of time, the melatonin may become less effective because the receptors will become desensitized. So you could take a period of time to stop taking the melatonin and then go back to a lower dose. But it is important to keep in mind that melatonin is just one piece of the sleep puzzle. Matthew Walker is a well-known sleep scientist, and he suggests certain things like reducing bright light exposure at least one hour prior to and during sleep in order to promote melatonin production naturally in the brain. Other suggestions for quality sleep include reducing our core body temperature. We can do that by keeping the room cool, by wearing light clothing, or even by taking a hot shower or hot bath before bed. I know it sounds ironic, but taking a hot shower or hot bath will increase our skin temperature, but will actually reduce our core body temperature, and that may help with sleep quality. Reducing the light in the bedroom, even small lights, like on a fan or on an alarm clock, can be helpful. Another common cause of poor sleep quality is stress or feelings of anxiety and our mind racing and our inability to fall asleep. This could potentially be improved through meditation, as meditation, as I covered in a previous episode, helps us gain attention control, meaning it strengthens our ability to choose what we give our attention to. This could be improved with sign sound waves as well. Back in episode 84, I talk about specific sign sound waves and how this may drive neural oscillations to induce more powerful D frequencies in our brain to bring about relaxation. I will post some examples or links of this type of relaxing sound in the description box to this episode. So trying to relax before bed with sign sound waves or meditation may also help with better sleep quality. Of course, also keeping in mind to reduce stimulant intake throughout the day, like reducing coffee, black or green tea, dark chocolate, energy drinks, etc. So in brief summary of this part of the episode, does melatonin help with sleep? Yes, it appears that it might improve measures of sleep, like how long it takes to fall asleep and reduced awakenings during the night. Particularly, supplemental melatonin appears to be helpful in older adults. Experts on melatonin suggest taking lower doses to prevent desensitization of our melatonin receptors, as higher doses might negate the benefits, and over time individuals may not see a benefit with melatonin anymore if they are taking such a high dose. 
So the suggested amount is 0.3 milligrams, 30 minutes before and in a time-release capsule if possible. Now, melatonin levels rise naturally in our brain in the dark at night, so keeping in mind our light exposure before and during bed is key. But besides supplements of melatonin, can we alter melatonin levels with our diet or what we eat? Interestingly, melatonin has been detected in many foods. For example, it can be found in eggs, fish, meat, and milk. But the amount of melatonin in animal products is incredibly variable. And that is because it depends on the time of day the milk or meat was taken. If it was taken during the night, then melatonin levels in these animal products was often higher. Melatonin has also been identified in many plant-based foods like fruits, seeds, cereals, coffee, wine, and beer. Some cereals such as wheat, oats, and barley have about 6 to 15 nanograms per gram. Melatonin has also been detected in fruits like grapes, cherries, strawberries, and kiwis. Among vegetables, the main sources of melatonin are peppers, tomatoes, and mushrooms that supply around 12 nanograms per gram of the vegetable. But keep in mind that the amount of melatonin in foods, even plant-based foods, is still variable. And that is because the strain of the plant, the growing conditions, when it was harvested, how it was stored, are all important factors that can determine melatonin content, and these factors often are not controlled. Now, the intake of food sources of melatonin has resulted in significant increases of melatonin in the blood of humans, and has resulted in some positive effects on insomnia and improving sleep quality. This has been shown by a lot of scientists, for example, by Flores in 2012, by Meng in 2017, by Oba in 2008, by Ryder in 2005, and more. So food sources of melatonin consumed an hour before bed, for example, may indeed increase melatonin in the blood and improve sleep quality. But I also want to point out, as I did in episode 83, that carbohydrate-rich foods may also have a positive influence on sleep as glucose or sugars or carbohydrates favor tryptophan passage through the blood-brain barrier. Now remember, melatonin is produced from serotonin, which is produced from tryptophan. Tryptophan is an amino acid, so we want to get tryptophan into the brain so that it can produce serotonin so that we have positive mood and so that it can produce melatonin so that we sleep well. Now in order to promote serotonin and melatonin production in the brain, the intake of the amino acid tryptophan along with carbohydrates and a source of potassium can facilitate entry into the brain. For example, Bravo in 2014 concluded that adding a cereal fortified with tryptophan and rich in carbohydrates increased serotonin, melatonin, and improved sleep quality in older adults. But is there some research on melatonin and our health outside of sleep? If so, what does the data say? Well, a review written by Genario in Pharmacological Research last year reported how melatonin supplementation may enhance weight loss when combined with calorie restriction. For example, a clinical trial in 2017 which recruited 30 overweight individuals noted a 3% decrease in body weight in the placebo group that followed a low-calorie diet and a 7% decrease in body weight in the melatonin group that also followed a low-calorie diet. Now, how might melatonin be doing this? Well, preclinical research suggests that melatonin may increase mitochondrial biogenesis. What does that mean? It may increase our energy production. 
but only a few clinical trials have investigated this aspect or this potential effect to melatonin. Part of the reason I think melatonin might bring about these benefits is by improving sleep quality. Back in episode 64, I spoke of how if we do not sleep well, we tend to crave high-calorie foods, and we tend to intake more calories when we don't sleep well. This happens for many reasons. So poor sleep is associated with a higher body weight or obesity. So if we sleep well, it may be easier for us to maintain or achieve a healthy body weight. So I think that this enhancement of body weight loss might be an indirect effect of melatonin. How about other health effects of melatonin? There is some preclinical research that suggests melatonin may have anti-inflammatory effects, but as Bavavi wrote in Critical Reviews in Food Science and Nutrition in 2019, although the data is promising in preclinical research, meaning in cell culture or animal studies, supplemental melatonin failed to provide consistent anti-inflammatory benefits in humans in clinical trials. So if melatonin can be used to treat inflammation, I think the verdict is still out on that. Now, how about topical melatonin, meaning if melatonin was put into a lotion and if we applied that lotion to our skin? There is some clinical evidence that a lotion containing melatonin may help prevent sunburn when individuals are exposed to UV sunlight, and that it may also help with hair loss. For example, in 2016, scientists applied a cream containing either 0.5%, 2.5%, or 12.5% melatonin, to the backs of 23 healthy volunteers who laid out in the sun from 1.22 p.m. to 2.02 p.m., where the sun was really high at a UV index of 9. The goal was to see if the melatonin cream could prevent a sunburn. Only the 12.5% melatonin cream reduced sunburn. But it is important to note that some sunburns still occurred even with this melatonin cream, so it is not as effective and may not be a sunblock alternative, but perhaps it could be added to sun protection as an additional measure. So can topical melatonin help with hair loss? Yes, it appears possible. Fisher in 2012 reviewed the clinical data and concluded that in individuals with general hair loss or androgenic alopecia, that applying melatonin to the scalp provided benefits to many people but not everyone. Now, the concentration of melatonin in the hair solution was very low at 0.0033%. So a very low concentration of melatonin was applied to the scalp. Now, applying this low of a dose did not appear to increase blood melatonin levels in patients. For example, in 35 men with hair loss, after six months of daily application of melatonin to the scalp, 58% had an increase in hair density by an average 41%. So many, but not all men, saw some great improvements in hair loss. In a much larger study of 1,800 people, about half the participants saw improvements in hair loss with topical melatonin. Now, how is melatonin having this potential benefit? Well, it is speculated to be via its antioxidant potential. It is also known that based on cell culture studies, that melatonin is able to stimulate growth in in human hair follicles. So the cell culture data and clinical data do seem to coincide. So that is a wrap, my people scientist army. Melatonin is a hormone that is produced by our brain at night in the darkness. Production of melatonin is suppressed in the light. 
So if we are exposed to too much bright light before or during bed, this could interfere with our melatonin levels and thus our sleep quality. Melatonin levels may be lower in individuals who battle with inflammatory chronic conditions, in the elderly, or in individuals that live with depression, or even in those who do not eat enough of the amino acid tryptophan, as tryptophan gets produced into serotonin and then melatonin. What are some ways to potentially and naturally increase melatonin? Well, we can reduce our light exposure before and during sleep. We can try to reduce environmental factors that increase inflammation, like reducing cigarette smoke, fried foods, processed foods, and sugars, so that we can make sure more serotonin and melatonin are being produced, rather than being shunted toward the inflammatory pathway. We can try eating a source of the amino acid tryptophan with some healthy carbohydrates, as that may promote serotonin and melatonin production. For more details on that specific topic, you can tune into episode 83. We can also take oral supplements of low-dose melatonin like 0.3 milligrams, as this may improve measures of sleep, like reducing how long it takes to fall asleep, increasing our sleep length, and reducing the number of times we wake up throughout the night. Higher doses of melatonin supplementation may negate these benefits by causing desensitization of melatonin receptors over time. So if you have been taking melatonin supplements and it's much higher than 0.3 milligrams, you may notice that it becomes less effective over time. So what you could try to do is stop taking the melatonin for a period of time and start back up again with that lower dose. Topical melatonin applied to the skin or scalp may have some benefits like reducing sunburn and reducing hair loss in individuals with generalized hair loss. Now keep in mind that not everyone in these clinical trials saw benefits. About 60% of individuals typically exhibited a benefit against hair loss. Now why do some see a benefit and others do not? It's not fully understood. But if someone has normal or adequate levels of melatonin, they likely would not see a benefit to the supplemental melatonin. But otherwise, the reasons why some people respond and do not is not fully characterized. So now that I've given this information to you, it is up to you to do with it what you will. I hope that this information was interesting and beneficial for all of you. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode on the People Scientist podcast. If you want to follow me on social media, I like to post some of the studies and extra information on the week's topic throughout the week. And if you want to say thank you for the episode, Stephanie, you can do so now by buying me a coffee through Venmo or Patreon. That money primarily goes toward the costs of producing the podcast. The links to all of that is in the description box to this episode on how you can sign up to my social media or buy me a coffee. I hope that you all have a restful night and I look forward to meeting you back here for another episode on the People Scientist podcast next week. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates. Thank you.